flyover footy on the big 550 KTRS. Thank you so much for joining us in a preseason version of the show. And uh, I got all three of my typical soccer friends that uh, you're going to find here at flyover footy. We have Santiago, Stu, and Matt Baker. Santiago, let's start with you, man. How's it going? Doing great. Um, Just waiting for February 20th. Uh, Now the countdown is... Mm-hmm. down to 19 days so i'm um, just looking forward to uh being there at city park and uh now the team was here this week so had a chance to uh go to training and go to some of some of the press conferences so it's it's here it's it's almost here so very excited yeah we're about to break the seal on february and that means we're getting very very close it's very strange Stuart, how's it going i'm so glad you could make it tonight man what's up Oh, it's going, it's going awesome. I was at the Botanical Gardens yesterday afternoon, saw a bunch of people wearing city gear. I know the city is amped and ready for this season to start. I love when you go somewhere. There are two things that I look forward to. One is that you typically run into Matt Baker. And the second <laughs> is that you uh, always get a good jersey count on city, uh, city gear, which is nice. Uh, Matt, how's yeah, it going, man? What's, what's new for you? Oh, I've apparently missed Stu by a couple days because we'll be at the Botanical Garden on Saturday morning. Perfect. So, perfect segue right into that. I've been fantastic. This this week has been absolutely fun. Like Santi said, the team's been back in town. It re- I feel dialed in. I feel like like jittery hyped right now because we had the press conference on Monday. We had the Lutz and Diego conference on Wednesday. Uh, another press conference on Thursday with that training it's just so much information so much hype so much excitement i'm ready to ride all of these games that we get to actually watch when the club's in california i'm hyped i'm ready to go me too like the the shift from off season nothing to all the stuff we got today has been i'm thrilled I, i mean my heart is racing every time i open up um something new on twitter i get to find out more and more information on on city and a lot of that's coming from santiago matt baker of course like make sure you guys are following them on instagram because they're bringing uh, a lot of really good fresh news on on the team this week and, and the biggest one i think was obviously going to be this uh, press conference the bradley carnell contract exp- extension we had uh, Diego Giuliani and uh, Liz Fennestiel in on it. And so, like, those are always my my favorite uh, press conferences when we can ask Lutz a bunch of questions. The journalists with a big J delivered uh, the goods on this one. We got a lot of good information, and we will start here with the Bradley Carnell um, extension. And we have a nice little clip here. We're going to try something new. Matt's giddy over there. I'm excited to show it as well. So enjoy this clip, and then we're going to talk about it. Are you able to speak to any of the specifics to Bradley Carnell's contract extension and how long it goes for? Yeah, the contract is a two-year contract, um, so it takes them until the end of 2025. Um, that represents the, the commitment really on both sides. Uh, I think uh, after last season and how well the season went um, for us, but also you know his reputation. Uh, obviously, he's selected to be the second best coach in the league and uh, by, by many of you guys and, and colleagues also in the, in the league. Um, and we see him day to day. You know, and we, we already saw what Lutz and the group um, uh, saw in him when he was hired. No, he didn't have a lot of, of head coach experience before coming, but they all saw in him uh, some great uh, potential. Uh, and he's definitely proven that last year. There was going to be interest for sure. Um, and we had a, 
uh, we sat down together and we all felt that this was the right thing to do. Bradley's super committed to this project and is happy here, his family's here. Uh, and we also uh, felt that uh, with just one year, we had seen enough to want to commit to a longer term with him. Good stuff, Matt. What did you can break down that clip for us? Give us the information here again. Yeah, the reason the, the question was asked the way it was, obviously, the press release did not include the terms. It didn't include the length. We were actually wondering when he was extended what his current contract was, what the new one went until. So there was there were too many vague details going on here, and that was the, the onus of the question. And I think you're hearing from Diego Giuliani on kind of what they were doing with Bradley Carnell initially. And throughout the week, we found out, I think today Carnell ended up saying that he did have a contract for this year. So whether it was a one year with the club option or a two year contract on his initial deal, he wasn't going into this season without a contract. What it, what appears to have happened is they renegotiated the contract for this year. And so it's a new two year contract starting this year goes until the end of 2025. And it makes sense. Uh, Diego said, he, he referred to the, the Bradley Carnell's first year as a head coach, absolute first year as a professional head coach in in this type of a setting. And so it was a trial for him just as much as it was for St. Louis as an expansion side. The massive success on the field for the club, along with his own personal success, Bradley Carnell's in finishing second in the coach of the year race, kind of just said what everybody had been thinking throughout the season, that he was a highly successful first-year head coach. He earned a, an extension. He deserves to stick with the club for a little bit longer, and they're rewarding him for that. And his contract mirrors what some of the other players' contracts look like, carrying through the next couple of years. And so I think this is this is also something that Diego said towards the end of his, his comments. They wanted to get ahead of the game as in regards to headhunting Bradley Carnell. They knew that other MLS teams would be circling him at some point, given his success. So they wanted to lock him down while they could. And I think this speaks to all of that. Massive. I think the biggest detail, as you mentioned there, Matt, was that this isn't necessarily just an extension. It's a renegotiation. So whatever contract he had before, now we just know the, that it's been redone and it goes through 2025, perhaps because other teams were circling, which is a fun detail to think about a little too much. Stuart, what did you think about this extension that was announced today? Well, an extension is always a good sign that, you know, you want people looking and maybe trying to poach your best best coaches, your best players. That's going to happen. Uh, I was actually just looking at if there are any openings in the Red Bulls ecosystem, and I don't think there are. However, Gerhard Struber is still the head coach of Red Bulls Salzburg, uh, who replaced Bradley Carnell at Red Bulls, New York Red Bulls, not Red Bull Salzburg. Um, so there might always be a situation where he attracts attention from Salzburg or Leipzig as an assistant, maybe off the bat. We know they like to keep within, you know, Barcelona has Barca DNA and Red Bull has Red Bull DNA. So mm -hmm. this might have been a opportunity to not only push away MLS teams that are interested, but also European teams. Yeah, I mean, he also played in the Bundesliga. He would fit in. This style fits most Bundesliga teams, uh, so that would be fun to see as well. Santiago, what would you think about that announcement? Um, I think it's great. Uh, to be honest, when it was announced uh, yesterday morning, the first thing I thought about was like, what? he? In my mind, he probably had a contract until 2025, 20, 2026 already, kind of a... Uh, 
Matt was mentioning that now kind of kind of mirrors uh, the contracts for some players. In my mind, he had a contract like that because obviously when he was signed, uh, those details weren't announced. But uh, to me, it was like a given that his contract was also uh, longer term. So it was a surprise, but it's great. Uh, it's very deserved. He 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 did a great job last year with the team. He's a great leader. The the players like him. And uh, when when he talks, uh, he always uh, talks about um, how he has been developing as a coach and how he has learned from mistakes. Uh, so I think it's great that the team is rewarding him. And at the same time, uh, he's going to be able to continue uh, building on the success he had last year. Yes, year two may be a little bit more difficult now that other teams know your style, but but but... Carnell and his coaching staff will be ready for that challenge. And I know we'll get more into that, but uh, there will be some different things, some different looks this year. So overall, yeah, I think it's a great decision by the club, have him for a couple more years. And also knowing that, that there was some interest out there, just uh, get ahead of the game and, and lock him down when you can. You know, Santi, what you what you first said there, you thought initially his contract went through 25, 26, something like that. Think back to what all Carnell's been through with this club already. Coming into being hired at the beginning of 2022, where he had come off the assistant job, he had been the interim coach, he was, from what we understand, at least looked at for some head coaching vacancies. MLS has a litany of head coaching vacancies all the time. And he was willing to come to St. Louis for what ended up, now we know it was either a one-on-one or a two-year deal at the most, hmm. and spent all of that time. It wasn't just two years, but he spent three years of his life here with that type of a contract expectation. Yeah. And he he planted his family here. His family loves, it, loves the area. And he was willing to bet on himself. That's, the, that's my big takeaway is he's willing to bet on himself, invest all of this time into a first-year expansion club that is going to be his, at this point, his what he's known for. And, and that's what is going to be people's first expectation, first recollection about him as a head coach is what he did or what he would have done with an expansion side. He bet on himself so hard in that regard that this isn't just the reward for a, a job well done in his first year, but I, I think it's just a reward for Bradley Carnell believing in himself. I love that. And, and you know, to, to expand on what you guys both just said is that, you know, it is a development thing for Bradley as well. And his contract, you know, it shows that. And he can say even to his players, be like, listen, you're not the only one that's got to prove himself around here. You know, like I make too many bad moves. I'm out of here, too. We all got to improve. We all got to perform. And if we don't, then we know what happens, right? We're on the way out, um, you know, on the reel. And so he can ask that of his players more easily because now they know what kind of contract he was on. And I just love that. I, and I love it from Lutz as well. You know, it, it's an expectation from top to bottom. Um, so anyway, I love to see that. Super happy. I don't know if we've actually said this enough because we focus too much on the, on the nerdy stuff. We're all ecstatic about this. We think Bradley's amazing. We're happy he got the extension. I think we want to keep him here as long as we can without holding him back, right? Just like the players. So that'll be a fun one to watch in the next couple years. Um, next news, we can't. We got to bring this up next because we have been losing our minds about this. Whether it's <laughs> in in the front scenes or behind the scenes, guys, like we have been talking about this green card situation for months now, for real. 
And then honestly, in DMs, we've been probably talking about it for over a year. And um, it's been, you know, mind numbing the fact that nothing has been said about it. But now it's not surprising that something has been said and it's because there's extreme action in that regard. So, Matt, would you like to talk about the green card process, the, the big news that was just released? The big news is Joachim Nilsson and Edu Leuven are not with the team as we're recording this on Thursday, February 1st, because they are in Sweden and Germany, respectively, traveling back to finish their green card process. Hallelujah. <laughs> Things that we've been talking about for upwards of a year now. We've tracked other teams, international players. We've checked in on what the green card process actually looks like. We had the rumor and information on Selmir Pedro. It has gone on and on and on. And finally, two of our OG internationals who arrived with City 2 back in 2022 are finally getting green cards. And what this means for St. Louis City is every single year, MLS teams are given eight international roster slots. They can fill those with players who don't have green cards, don't have citizenship. They're not nationals to the United States. And St. Louis City, at the current moment have nine of those. We already traded Nashville SC for a 2024 international slot, so we are full up. By these two obtaining green cards, they will not occupy two of those international slots, meaning two are going to be open for this coming year. And yes, Soccer Zombie, one of the predominant thoughts is this could be a spot for Jose Kojima, our first-round Super Draft pick. Kojima, if he makes the team, if he makes the first team, he will occupy an international roster slot. We now have two open, which also adds to the fact that Lutz Fennensteel loves to keep his options open going into the season. Whether it is on the lookout for another striker or something else that might come up this summer, he loves to leave himself wiggle room. That's a calling card of his in his tenure with St. Louis City so far. So these two getting green cards at this moment in time is fantastic news for St. Louis. It is. Santiago, we got to go to you because you've been with me on this, losing your mind a little bit. Like, what is going on? And, and here it is. Big news. It is it is great news. It will give the team a lot of flexibility, and um, yeah, we have been waiting so long. I drives me crazy when I see a player that was also signed in 2022 <laughs> and already has his green card. Uh, even players uh, that join teams for the 2023 season, uh, I have seen at least one that already has a green card. So it drives me crazy. But um, it's a complicated process, and uh, from asking around, and you guys cover this, uh, every case is different. Um, so it's great to see that we finally have some movement on this, and it just gives the team uh, flexibility. I, I tried to uh, ask uh, Lutz yesterday about Berkey, Klaus, and Thomas Sostrak, but uh, he, <laughs> he said he wasn't ready to to comment on that. But uh, it sounds Didn't like he tell you to call the call the like international offices or something. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he mentioned uh, immigration, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, we couldn't get any any more. But uh, but we, I tried. I appreciate that attempt, uh, Stuart. I mean, you've been dealing with you know your favorite club, or I don't know, second favorite club, whatever you want to say. But you've been dealing with Fulham in Europe in this winter. Is, is just closed today and um you know this does leave a slot open for kijima does it also open a slot for another player i don't know if you have thoughts on that or if you just want to kind of comment on the green cards in general uh, another player as in <clears throat> does this help us sign a striker you know oh. <laughs> or something no, else Fulham got broja across the line it sounds like uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, with the green cards, it's it's obviously a big deal. Uh, I I believe you guys talked about how Nico transferring to Italy, having what? his Italian citizenship, was <laughs> so important. Uh, yeah, no. Breaking news, Matt. You're, you're usually on the you know <laughs> tip of the spear on that. Um, but yeah, Syria has the you know. <clears throat> to uh non-eu player limit so nico having his italian passport mm. bypass that but you know it across all leagues there are these rules so this isn't just like a mls odd rule with international slots it's pretty standard in a lot of leagues uh i mean we've been waiting for this there's not much to say i don't know what Lutz is going to do, but I'm pretty sure he has an ace up his sleeve or an idea of what to do, whether it's, you know, before the primary window closes or when the secondary opens, we'll find out. Absolutely. Um, now, one of those players taking up one of... Oh, I'm so sorry, Santiago. Please go. Yeah, one one thing I wanted to, to comment and that caught my attention yesterday during the press conference, uh, uh, and it was also said by Lutz, he said, yeah, the international... Slots are important, but uh, to me, it's also important to have domestic players and young local players. So uh, I like that he emphasized on that. That's that's very important too. It's not having a bunch of international players because you also need to uh, develop um, the local talent and, and find um, domestic players. So uh, I like that. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe the club wasn't in a rush to get uh, the green cards, and maybe that's why it didn't happen hmm. within a year, uh, because they, they also value the domestic players and developing uh, young local players. So um, that caught my attention when, when he mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, and when we had that good debate last week, and I, I think it's going to continue through the season, is you know bringing in another striker versus someone like Caden um, Glover getting more minutes, right? That's definitely what he's speaking to right there, exactly. But um, with those international slots, we have Nicholas Dewar coming in. He's taking up one of those slots, right, Matt? I don't have that wrong. Um, no, give us some details on that, because it's really exciting to me that he was able to get in in time before this this first preseason match. Yeah, we, we've talked about Second. Nicholas Dewar as a player, the the Danish uh, inter, Danish youth international coming in to play the left back position. He's a two way player. We've talked about his physical attributes before, but the exciting thing now is we get to see him in person. Santi and I saw him in training on Thursday, and he's he's integrating with the team now. He met with Bradley Carnell face to face Monday morning for the first time. He started his physicals and baselines on Monday. By Wednesday, he was a participant in training, and by Thursday, he had not yet finished with those baselines, so he was kind of a neutral in practice, what they call, so he was kind of being limited in what he was doing. Bradley Carnell said that he may not play against the Galaxy, but he's going to see minutes later at Coachella, LAFC, New York Red Bulls, those those games we can expect to see Nicholas Dewar participate. Bradley Carnell also said, and this is important because we had been trying to figure out, okay, is, is Dewar going to be eligible or will he be physically fit and able and ready to go for the start of the season? Is this going to be a Jabulu Blom type situation where he arrives late in preseason and so he's not fully ready to go, maybe fully 90-minute fit to start the season? Bradley Carnell expects that barring any setbacks, Nicholas Dewar should be ready to go for that first match against Houston. And so that's incredibly exciting that we're able to get him in. He showed up fit, healthy, ready to go, and he looks to pe- be passing all of his baselines, and we can get him slotted in at that, that left-back slot as kind of a two-way player on that side to complement what Tomas Totlin 
is doing on the right-hand side. Very exciting addition to St. Louis City that we're not wasting any time in getting to see. Yeah, I hope I'm not like jumping the gun here, but uh, Santiago, you can talk on this too because I know you're up to date on it. Um, that CCC roster was released without Totland, without Dewar on it, without uh, Thorison on it, which was making people, you know, a little bit. They got excited about it, let's say, um, to the point where Matt kind of had to release and calm everybody down a little bit on it. But um, yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. But it sounds like that's not a big deal, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not the final roster. Uh, it was more more like um, there was a deadline to submit the initial roster, and um, the two new guys didn't have their ITC certificate yet, so uh, they couldn't be included on the roster. I'm not sure why uh, Torison wasn't included, but Lutz clarified that um, he will be in the roster, so there will be changes uh, the next time he needs to be submitted. So. We should um, see uh, Dewar and uh, Totland and Tor um, in CONCACAF Champions Cup. And uh, it was encouraging um, what Bradley Carnell said about Dewar, that he should be available um, for the first game. Because uh, at least to me, when he was signed, I I had I thought about the Jabulo Blom situation. Obviously, he ended up... Uh, playing uh, most of that first game just because Indiana Basilev yeah. got injured. But um, in theory, he wasn't ready yet, but he ended up uh, hmm. playing. And, and then um, he had uh, basically, he had to be ready just because of an injury. But but it's great. It's great that everybody uh, will be available for uh, February 20th. Um, not Rasmus Alm, but uh, the, rest of the, the rest of the guys should be... Uh, available for that debut in CONCACAF Champions Cup. Well, you helped me out there. You mentioned Rasmus Alm, and I'm going to read off of Matt's notes a little bit so we can kind of get Stuart involved in this conversation as well. Confirmed the surgery was mid-November, around November 16th. He has been solo training on the field, as you guys been post, have been posting on Twitter, on X, and um, uh, it was announced that Alm is traveling with the team to California and might even get some minutes at the end of Coachella. Um Stuart, do you want to talk about the importance of Alm or even talking about Thorson and these fullbacks uh, going into preseason? Looks like we'll have, to some extent, the full roster available for preseason, which is really nice. Yeah, let's uh, knock on wood on that. We've seen how uh, preseason Mm -hmm. has affected Inter-Miami already. And I don't know if you want to talk about that in the wind down. <laughs> I'll, I'll add it to the notes here. Um, yes. We need no, some just, drinks to talk about that one. <laughs> injury and travel can be, can be rough, but uh, they're already two weeks into their preseason matches. Um, and hopefully we don't have similar luck as they're going through right now. I think Alm's importance speaks for itself. Just seeing how we performed without him when he was injured. Mm. Uh I mean, he, I think, was the really underappreciated guy last year, other than maybe, I know Indy got a lot of love, but Indy, I think, was still underappreciated too. So the sooner we get Alm healthy and truly healthy and we don't want to rush him back and get a you know recurring nagging injury, I think that bodes great for our CCC campaign and for our you know, regular season expectations. Anything you'd like to add, Matt? Yeah, Rasmus Alm is one of the two big reasons why I'm not worried about signing a striker. So the quicker he gets back to health, the the better. I know you mentioned Thorson, and 
we'll talk about Thorsten a little bit in a, when we talk about Lutz's comments at the presser. But the overall idea of do we need to sign a striker is heavily contingent upon the production of Nukby Thorsen and the health of Rasmus Alm. Mm. Because the other, this isn't going to be really touched on at all on this show as much, but um, just reading between the lines on some comments that Bradley Carnell's made, it's hard not to draw a dotted line to they're wanting to take a little more caution with Caden Glover and bringing him along. He, he, he's coming with them to California, to Coachella, but Bradley Carnell keeps referring to him related to his age, his youth, his inexperience. Um, same conversations with some of the city two guys. It's not a knock on Glover by any means. It just speaks to his development and what they're willing to do in bringing him along and not putting too much pressure on him too soon. So I know that when Nico Joachini was transferred out, we were talking about that. The thought was, okay, we're down to Klaus, Sam and Caden Glover. I don't necessarily want to, I, I'm not even sure I want to go forward with this thinking that Caden Glover is someone to be counted on in that role as He's a, a third option for a two-striker system. I kind of want to go into this thinking as we have Klaus and Sam and Nuke Thorson and Rasmus Alm as our four strikers who can play in a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2 type mm-hmm. of a system. We could also go 4-2-3-1, in which case that provides some cover. But the point is, looking at Caden Glover, giving him a little bit of grace on how he starts the season, progressing him. He's only 16 and, and there's a lot to still develop and grow without putting too much pressure on his shoulders, which pressure is something that Carnell also mentioned with Rasmus Alm, wanting to move him along at a progression that makes sense for his recovery from surgery, not pushing him because he does a good enough job pushing himself. Carnell said that specifically and explicitly today. So Alm pressures himself enough. The club is not going to put too much on him, but Nupi Thorson producing and, and how quickly Alm comes back, I think that's going to also impact some of the flexibility Lutz looks at as far as the striker position goes before the summer. And we can't forget, like, they're not giving up on the 4-4-2. I just want to reiterate kind of what Matt said, that that preseason gaming against Nashville, the first formation was a 4-4-2, and we can't forget, we keep doing it, McSorley. McSorley is in the picture to some extent, right? McSorley is is what everyone's been calling (laughs) in preseason here. And so it's there's enough players as Matt was covering here to do what they want to do. They're not going to be limited. They're not going to not do a two striker system because of personnel, because they think they've got plenty of cover as Matt was saying there. So um, nothing to worry about there. Things will go on as they were before with who we got um, in the roster right now. You're listening to flyover footy on the big 550 KTRS. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's continue the preview of the Coachella. Is it really called Golchella? Am I no, saying this? Okay. Not, not this in is real life. This is a McScorley kind of thing. Golchella. Yes. Got it. Thank you. Um, it's not a music festival. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. Well, Matt, can you give us some details? Looks like there's a lot to cover here, actually. Yeah, this I feel going into Golchella is uh, an extension of what we did with Nashville because we've only played one preseason match. This club was supposed to have played two. They couldn't play Columbus because they started preseason late. So after Florida, the Nashville game is kind of the jumping off point. And what Carnell was able to tell us on Thursday is that the LA Galaxy game on Saturday, which everybody's excited for because we finally get to watch St. Louis City play, should be another game of two 45-minute halves. He's going to have those two rosters, those two lineups, just like he did last week with Nashville. So 
don't read too much into who's playing with who necessarily. Bradley Carnell was more alluding to the idea of what happened last last week in the second half, where with the Nashville game in the second half, it was a three five two. We had three center backs. And he wasn't he wasn't so much all about we're working on making sure we can run a three five two. It was it was individual moments, individual elements of that, such as putting pressure on Michael Venzel and the center backs to see how they handle uh, a, an opportunity to play by themselves and the center midfielder to see how the, he might handle being the lone pivot, being the only midfielder above three defenders, those kind of scenarios. So it's situational based in trying to improve and, and get guys up to speed and see what they can handle more so than it is saying holistically, I want to try this three, five, two and see how it works from the back to the front. So don't necessarily look too much into the formation. He was very clear about that multiple times this week because you know I asked him. Um, <laughs> but but just the nature of the, the the number of players that we have, I would expect McSorley plays. I would expect everybody who's healthy to play. You're not going to have Eddie Leuven. You're not going to have Joachim Nilsson. You're not going to have Rasmus Alm. You're not going to have Nicholas Dewar to start. So immediately you're down to basically two groups of 10 just about of guys that are playing Kojima. We hope gets more time. Carnell said he could have played against Nashville, but he didn't. And so that's kind of what I look for against the LA galaxy. Now I did talk to news across galaxy podcast out in LA last night on Wednesday, and they were as pessimistic as you can imagine, <laughs> just from a sheer standpoint of, they don't know what their roster looks like. Both LA teams are dealing yeah. with this where they've had such turnover then they're trying to find their own identities. And so they don't really know what they're going to get, even as far as personnel. They, I was I was listing off the number of players that I think might find time, uh, whether it's 45 and 45 or elsewhere. Now we know it's 45-45. They, they couldn't name more than two or three players they knew for sure would play. And so hmm. I think this is going to be, this is going to be more interesting to me to just see how St. Louis plays in and of themselves more so than how they're handling a, an offensive attack from the galaxy, because it could be like Nashville's second half where they throw a trialist, they throw an Academy player out there. You never know. I'm, I'm excited to see St. Louis play and to see if St. Louis plays with the ball a little bit more. That's another common theme we've heard during this, this week of the team being back is that Newby Thorson told us, Jabula Blom told us, even Bradley Carnell's alluded to the fact that that's one thing that he's taking it upon himself to implement a little more playing on the ball. So how do you handle, how, how can you break down some of these low presses or low blocks that teams are throwing at us? How do you handle it when they give you the ball and say, beat us? Well, that's something that the team's adding to their, their repertoire in addition to sticking to their high-pressing principles. So I'm, I'm interested to see what of that actually gets implemented in these two groups of 45 and kind of just see how people play off each other. The salio Indy combination, the Nukby Thorson-Sam combination from last week. See if they start gelling in those ways because you need Nukby and Sam to click. You need guys like Salio and Indy to click because they're going to be on the same field together so much in the in the start of the season. So there's a lot to like about this first game, but then after that, because the next time we do a pod, it'll be after the LAFC match, they're going to start progressing them. They're going to start ramping up the minutes, getting up to 60, 75. And Bradley Carnell said, when for all the fans, when you're watching these preseason matches, you see a guy get to about 75 minutes, Carnell considers him good for 90. And so you might not see the full 90 in some of these, but that's what he said directly. That was a, a quote, a word for word quote is when the guy gets up to 75, he's good for 90. And so that's how you can expect to ramp up this preseason and excited to see who shines. And 
like this past week with Nashville, the last thing I'll say is Tomas Totlin was the player that Bradley Carnell highlighted very specifically uh, against Nashville as, as showing something really special, really key in his first minutes in a city kit. I'm looking to see who might be a standout player and separate themselves to start earning because there's some really competitive spots, really competitive competitions going on in some of these positions, especially our midfield to see who really breaks through. You, you assume it's Blome and Leuven and then enter any other player. Who's going to separate themselves? Is it Indy? Is it Salio up top? Is it going to be Nukvi Thorson? Is it going to be Tomas Ostrock, AZ Jackson? That's what I'm going to be looking for. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis, we should be so happy. I know it hasn't been like an exciting light the world on fire offseason with signings, but we are in such a good position to just make a couple tweaks and be happy with our roster, whereas LA Galaxy was, you know, they're having to make wholesale changes because it didn't go well last year. So uh, that's the good side of, of just a couple signings in this offseason here. Um, but it's so exciting that we get to see this game. Santiago and Steele, let's start with you, Santiago. Matt kind of ended there with some of the things he'd like to see in preseason. What would you guys like to see in preseason? Now that we, I mean, we get to watch a couple games here. I'm really excited about that. But what are you hoping for in preseason here, Santiago? Yeah, so definitely the most exciting uh, thing is that it will be streamed. Um, last season, we didn't have a chance to to see the team um, in any preseason action. So that's great. And uh, just looking forward to, to see... Um, like guys uh, that maybe didn't have a lot of minutes last year and guys that um, this year are supposed to um, to basically fill in the gap for Nico Joachini. Uh, Lutz has mentioned uh, Nugby Torrison a few times. Uh, Bradley mentioned him too. So looking forward to, to what he will be able to do now with a full preseason and also, he, he spent some time with the team last year, and he had um, some minutes in some games. But towards the end of the season, he, he didn't see um, the field match. So I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Nugby Torrison with a uh, whole preseason and just the, the knowledge he, he got last year will be able to do. And hey, he could be Nico's replacement, as, as Lutz mentioned it during the press conference, that uh, when he was brought last year it wasn't to replace a player it was more to have another option so looking forward to what he will be able to do and i'm always a big Celio fan and uh from the comments from uh, that game against nashville it looked like it looks like he's having a great preseason so um i'm also looking forward to to see him seeing him on the field and see uh, if he can earn uh, more minutes this year same question for you, Stuart. What do you think about preseason? You're an avid veteran of preseason watching with St. Louis FC. Um, I always enjoyed running into you in those games. So what do you think? Well, I'm I'm more wondering what Carnell is not going to show us in the Galaxy <laughs> game because it's broadcast to people. What is he going to keep close to his chest? Because he, he likes to keep things hidden. Uh, as I think most coaches would. So is he going to show everything or is he going to, you know, put out a formation that he doesn't intend to actually play or is he just testing everything out? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to guess he's going to keep some secrets. I have no idea what those secrets will be, but I will be a nice conspirator and try to figure out what they are. 
Uh, what I'm looking for is just seeing them out there. It's it's always fun just seeing seeing the players play again is a real sign. It's you know first Christmas is coming again. It's a sign mm-hmm. that the season's about to start. Mm-hmm. So seeing them kick around the ball in an actual match is what I'm looking forward to the most. However, yeah, I am a little sad seeing that uh, Celio is no longer Celio on the back of his mm-hmm. uh, kit. It's now C. Pompeo. Um, I, he had an iconic thing going. That's a little sad. On the other Henry. hand, we, we do have Dewar with uh, the number Farty Far. So that's uh, a, Saint, a cl- instant classic in St. Louis. So uh, looking forward so to So is Emo's going to sponsor him? <laughs> he has no idea what he stepped into with no, that. <laughs> I think Emo's will just naturally be plastered on his 44 on his back. Just like no one did anything. It just showed up there. Um, <laughs> Matt, I'm going to give uh, your choice. You're listening to Flyover Footy on the big 550 KTRS. Matt, where would you like to go next? Because we have some clips we could do, but we could also recap that that first uh, friendly with Nashville. Yeah, I don't know there's too much left to recap. I mean, I we, agree. We, we didn't see too much of it. And uh, the, the success against the, the trialists and the academy players in the second half, I, I just, I'm glad we scored a couple goals to make it respectable. But, you know, these three games, the things are things could be vastly different between this week and next. Um, this week, we also know, in, in addition to the players who won't be there, we know that Jose Kojima should see some more minutes. Uh, Carson Locker is traveling with the club as well, should provide some cover for Eddie Leuven not being there. Michael Wenzel is also traveling. Uh, he was there in Florida. He's been training with the team this entire time from City 2, but he'll also provide cover for Joachim Nilsson being out. And yeah, we we learned a lot. I think um, one of the things I want to I, I kind of want to focus on here is the Lutz and Diego press conference. So we do have um, a couple interesting clips as as we shift away from Coachella and some of the matches to some of the higher level things to look at. Um, Phil, how are we doing on time here? About eight minutes, ten minutes. Yeah, let's let's look at the first um, let's look at the the first one because let's go back to the conversation about signing a player. So one of the things that Lutz was asked um, from me was regarding some of those rumors that we heard. So I, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about Lutz's answer to some of those rumors and what might be going into his thought process in signing a striker, because I find it fascinating. All right, here we go. It makes it easier on the one hand and much more complicated on the other, because obviously um, the way so far we operate a lot on the, on the European market, where a big numbers of European players or European based players will be available again in the summer because that's when when the window becomes big. Right now the window in Europe is pretty small. You know, you normally get players uh, who are looking for playing time. You get players a team wants to replace or wants to get rid of or you're getting overpriced players. So definitely it's a difficult market window for us right now. Um, what we found our ways around and um, yeah, um, I think, you know, Obviously, January is for us our main window, which is extremely long open, and that it's open till April. It gives us another three months. So three months to watch. There will be still developments in European teams, and once a team have nothing to play for, suddenly players will become available again, which you won't be able to sign right now. And Phil, one of the reasons I love this answer is because I, I wanted Lutz's take on the transfer window that closed today, as we stream this, February 1st, a lot of the European transfer windows are officially closed. 
But the MLS transfer window is wide open. It opened January 31st. It goes until April 23rd. So the difficulties in bringing in a player whose home country's window is closed, Lute speaking to the fact that the club might not be able to replace them. The club might have shifting priorities. They will eventually come up on a free. And so there's a lot of nuances that go into the club wanting to release them. But also the fact that, and I didn't consider this, the club is in, every club in Europe is in a position right now on February 1st. What that position might look like come April 1st could be vastly different. They might fall out of contention. They might be a selling club who doesn't have much of an ability to sell within their home region. And so then Lutz can swoop in and steal a player to bargain. So just because he's not making a move at the end of the European transfer window or the end of the predominantly global transfer window doesn't mean he won't. He's waiting for a, a deal, right? He's waiting for a better opportunity waiting for players' values to fall and for a fire sale, essentially. So that that opportunity is going to be there, which lends a lot of credence to the idea of getting through the first part of the season with who you have now, seeing how they shake out. You see what you have in Thorson. You give him a genuine shot. You see what you have in this year's version of Sam and Deneron. You see how Klaus progresses when he's healthy. And then if you still need to bring in a player, he's he's not looking at things isolated. He doesn't wait and see what happens in match one, two, and three and say, okay, now I'm ready to pull the trigger. I need to go look. He's got guys ready to go on his board. Cedric Tukert was one of those that we'll talk about in a little while, but that's an example of a player he's been targeting and the deal just didn't happen to be right. But he's always thinking about this. It's always a a conversation on his board. It's always a conversation about what value can I get for this player that we've been targeting and he had a comment about window shopping as well, about how you're you're walking down, shopping, you see something you really love there, and and the you the idea that you just want that so bad, and you need to wait for it to go on sale, or you don't want to walk down the street, see something else, and say, oh yeah, that looks good, I'm just going to take that because it's cheaper right now, or you know I can bring it in right now, I, I need to have something. He's a lot more a lot more cognizant of the long term aspects of this, and that's just incredibly exciting. And, and I, I love the fact that they're, they're so aware and so managing these, these window differences. I find that fascinating. Santiago and Stu, I'm going to give you guys the last thoughts here. Start with Santiago. What do you think about all of that in the uh, transfer window? This is news to me, this whole... Um, I never realized it. Matt's so good at finding these little intricate details. The fact that the MLS windows open through April and people can come in. Even though the European windows closed, they can still send people out. That's news to me. That's really cool. So, Santiago, any thoughts on the, on the transfer window? Yeah, no, very quick since uh, we're short on time. Uh, I I really like the the approach and the thought process um, that Lutz has uh, for the transfer window. Um, the club doesn't need to to rush it. And uh, Diego also mentioned he was like, "Yeah, we're always looking. We have lists of players." Uh, so if the right opportunity comes, we will pull the trigger. So I like the approach and uh, giving the guys that are here a legitimate chance to um, show what they can do, I think is the right thing to do. And if something happens before um, April, what is it, April 23rd? Yep. Matt? Before April 23rd, great. If not, um, we'll probably see something in the summer window, depending uh, on how uh, Nubi Torrison and Rasmus Sam, Celio and other players are doing. Stuart, final thoughts. You can touch on anything you want here. we got the transfer window. We've got preseason. We have a lot coming up. So just touch on whatever you'd like to close with here. Oh, yeah. And 
Abo made a good point. Uh, we can still sign Tukert, but yeah, he wouldn't join us until the end of his contract. It would be a pre-contract signing. And it, <clears throat> who knows what his wage demands would be at that point. Mm-hmm. But there is actually, uh, FIFA does have a uh, website where you can see um, all of the transfer windows globally, and there are still some open. So we'll see how the team moves, but we're in a luxurious position that we don't have to rush. We're not panicking. We're not getting relegated. Um, and hopefully we load up and we can go deep in the CCC. Love it. Yeah, and, and Abo and Chad is absolutely right. There, that speaks his comments about uh, City can still negotiate with him because he's on a free within six months. So they can come to an agreement with the player. The his home club Hanover cannot replace him because their their transfer window is closed. That's the big thing that Lutz was talking about and having to, to manage is that when teams can't replace players, they become much more unwilling to sell them at a price that Lutz is willing to pay. That's kind of the takeaway for a lot of that. Just on a technicality here, because maybe I misunderstood it. If they decided to sell him or another player, any other player that's on a European contract, even though they can't be replaced, if they're not going to use that player, could they send him as soon as March or April? To as long as as long as long it's to a, a league like MLS whose incoming transfer window is still open, yeah. Great. So it is possible, um, though unlikely with Tuker with his situation. All right. I want to clear that up because I, I can kind of get those things kind of wrong. Um, a lot more to come in the second half of our show here. Um, so thank you for joining us if you're listening on the big 550 KTRS. We appreciate that. We have a podcast where we go on another 30 minutes or so. It might be a little longer tonight. We got a lot more stuff we can cover, uh, but it's just a laid back conversation about all the things we just feel like chatting about. You can join us in the chat as well online on anywhere uh, you can watch this show or anywhere you get your socials. So please do join us if you can. Uh, Thank you so much for listening either way. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. hot there i was laughing and then i had to had to bring it back down to the wind down level uh we're gonna talk about um we're gonna continue a little bit here first of all with the lutes and diego press conference uh we got a clip here we're just gonna start with that and just see where it takes us please enjoy lutes it's been reported that uh cedric tuker was one of the strikers we're targeting but in that same report Six players were listed as being on your list to sign this transfer window. Is there any truth to five remaining that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, the list is, you know, growing and shrinking every day. Like, uh, if I look at my phone now, the list is bigger again. And if I arrive up in the office, it's smaller again. So it, it, that's something which is very, very mobile and unpredictable. But I would, I would, you know, I like, Tom knows I like to talk in pictures. So uh, I think it, you have to put it, if you go shopping and you look for something special for a, for a wedding, if you find the perfect thing you really like, that's the thing you have to get. If you see something which is okay, I may be wearing once or twice, but I'm not so convinced, stay away from it, Matt. And I think that's the way we're approaching exactly at the moment the, the striker market. 
Oh my gosh, that's so good. Dang. I hadn't seen that yet. There stay it is. From, stay away from it, Matt. That's what he tells me about things you you might like, but yeah, that that was what I was alluding to, and I'm glad we got it a little bit, little bit of the KTRS part, a little bit on the wind down. I loved that because um, it really speaks to what he's looking for in a player, as, as far as how 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 much he's willing to wait. So the idea that a lot of people are asking right now is, you know, do you think we're going to sign a player? And I could I could come up with like some specific criteria of what I think would fit the bill. Obviously, he's not looking to spend DP money. He said that in the article that I was referencing on Transfermarkt. He's obviously looking at the type of player that he's been tracking for a long time. It's not going to be somebody who hasn't been on his radar. I think the only people that the reason that I keep saying the only people that know who we're going to sign is Lutz because only Lutz has his list and it's going to come from a list of somebody that he's been tracking for a long time. I look back at Tomas Totlin as the type of player that we can use as a kind of a beacon for what we're looking for here. It's somebody who Lutz had been tracking Totlin since he Lutz was with Germany in, in Germany. That's Mm -hmm. how long ago he's been tracking Totlin and knowing that they've been pursuing him in St. Louis for about a year that's the kind of runway we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who's Lutz has been seeing whose contracts are coming up. Who can I get from clubs that may be, you know, middling? They may be looking to sell a player. Who can I swoop in on and say, this has been my guy the entire time, and now I think I can get him at a deal. It's going to be that that person that Lutz saw at the Champs-Élysées, and he has been looking at that for the past three years. What do you guys think? I have thoughts, but I'm going to wait until you guys give your thoughts. Santiago Stu. Yeah, no. Well, he... mean, yeah. Go ahead, Stu. Go ahead. No, I mean, the, Lutz and Carnell are going to be looking three windows in the future, two windows in the future, hopefully. So, yeah, like Matt said, they're going to be looking at – he'll have guys or contacts with agents that he's been talking to for two or three years. And hopefully he's looking at who's going to replace, knock on wood, you know, uh, Josh Arrow when he transfers to uh, Birmingham City in, in, (laughs) you know, next January or something. So that's that's just the nature of the business. There's a constant churn and uh, transient nature to how the league works. But at least we're not kind of uh, stuck in place compared to... Matt, you mentioned some of the LA Galaxy guys. Like they were strung along with the Divac Origi loan mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Uh, Nottingham Forest rumors that I think fell through. But uh, at least we weren't subject to that kind of teasing this window, and we haven't been with Lutz for the most part. What do you think, Santiago? Yeah, the... Go ahead. Sorry. Really, um, Dante, really quick in the chat, yeah, um, Billy is talking about our biggest outgoing will eventually be Lutz. And I just wanted to pop in real quick that Diego actually addressed this. I think it was Tom Timmerman who asked it in the press conference. Mm-hmm. Diego Diego was obviously you know, a little bit coy about it, saying that we're happy to have him for several more years. And they look to continue to build on the success of the first in the years to come. And without committing to anything without acknowledging the supposed we're entering year four of a five-year plan um mm-hmm. I, I think that's something to keep in the back of your mind but i think we've got loose for at least a couple more years 
Hey, so maybe next next January we will see the announcement about uh, Lutz's extension. Yes, please. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, uh, just my thoughts. Uh, I, and I said it on the on the first uh, portion. Uh, I like the approach, and uh, he's very patient. He's not trying to just pull the trigger because there is a need for a player, and it may not be the right player, especially for the system. Uh, the, the team plays. Uh, not anybody will be a good fit. So uh, I like that they are so uh, detail oriented and they are patient on on pulling the trigger. And um, and yeah, as he said, like that list uh, changes every day uh, with tr outgoing transfers uh, in different leagues, uh, different uh, loans uh, in our leagues. So um, so yeah, I like the approach and um, I like that there is a plan and that they also like offer all those details. Yeah, we have list uh, of players and they change. Uh, so I, I like I, I like the the insight they provided there and I like the approach. Every once in a while, someone in a press conference will say something and I'll be like, I don't know. I feel like that's like coach speak or something like that. Um, when Luce just now said, um, you got to find the right thing, the perfect thing, and that's the one you buy. When he said that, it felt like the truest thing that's come out of his mouth ever because everyone he brings in, it just feels like, yup, that looks like the perfect player. Yes, that looks like someone he's been waiting to bring in for a long time. Like Klaus felt like that. Um, so like Leuven, you know, I mean, several of our players, but like especially the ones that have been coming in from Europe that have been clearly checked out for a very long time. And I'm not even saying they're all going to work out. But it does feel like, uh, you know, clearly we all know that Lutz has a good eye. And when he's happy about something, it, it feels like it is the right move. Um, and these fullbacks, I think I, I have a good feeling about it in that way. So, And that's that's the thing, right? We joke in Lutz we trust. But the number of times he's hit so far in the early trajectory of St. Louis City is is pretty wild and led directly to the success we've had. And when you hear him with such conviction, to your point, Phil, because I think that's one of my favorite things, and you're so spot on, is that you could say all this coach speak, you could give non-answers, and yeah, Lutz is good about giving non-answers when he needs to, mm -hmm. but when he gives these kind of metaphors and he's so passionate and really describing and painting the picture about the type of player that he's looking for, giving you insight into the backstory of what his process is, it makes when the moves happen that much more impactful. You see a Nicholas Dewar, you see a Tomas Totlin, and yeah, we don't have a whole lot of video on them. We don't have, we haven't been playing with them in EAFC for for months and months. Like we, they're just not household names. But when you see Lute speak so passionately and so with such conviction about his process and what he's looking for, it makes you. But that's what makes you buy in immediately when you see him sign a player for two, three, four years. And you can't find that many highlights on them, but you see what they offer and you hear Lutz quotes and you know that's what his process is. So that's why you're willing to take that kind of a leap of faith to truly believe and get behind what he's doing. Yep. Uh, let's pivot uh, quickly. Um, I don't know how long we have Stuart here, but it sounds like, Stuart, you have a pretty exciting semester coming up with school. I, I, I gather. Can you fill us in on these details of a trip to Brazil? Is that is that correct? Oh, yeah, it's just part of the program. I know uh, uh, Bayern Tim, actually, I was talking to him a few weeks ago. He was uh, he's also with uh, 
I'm in St. Louis University School of Business right now. So okay. he's he's an alumni. So <clears throat> part of the program I'm in, uh, we will be traveling for two weeks, uh, two and a half weeks to South America. Mostly boring board meetings, that kind of stuff, which you would expect from an MBA uh, program. But hopefully there'll be ex- some exciting excuses to, you know, see some football or soccer and Last time I was in Brazil was the World Cup, and that was obviously high excitement and <laughs> incredible. So I, I'm trying to temper my expectations, but I'm excited. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we got to give a shout. Someone's going to hear this. If uh, anyone needs to, if anyone that is a Brazilian that plays for St. Louis City wants to give <laughs> Stu any tips on what to do in Brazil... <laughs> Uh, we're open to these kinds of, of DMs actions. are open. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> hit us up, slide right in there. Um, so that's super exciting, Stu. And I'm really glad uh, we got to hear about that a little bit. And maybe we send a camera with you. Would you uh, hook us up with some footage if we were like film as much as you can and we did something with it? I think most of the time I'm going to be in just board meetings and that's boring. Boring <laughs> as uh, <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Yeah, very boring. I'm not going to cuss, but yeah. <laughs> That's uh, fair. But no, if I get out and see some uh, football or something on the beach, that's always fun to see. Um, Food. But if I get to some matches, which is my main goal, and I think I'll be able to swing it, uh, then I'll definitely get some pictures, maybe swing some interviews if I could. I hope so. We'll work on that. Love that. Good stuff, Stu. Uh, Matt, I we have so much. Where would you like to go next? I'm just leaving it to you, bud. Well, I'll pick up off of STL Soccer News' quote in chat or, or comment in chat. So far, the only real question mark is Thor, but I'm positive on him. And you're following in Lutz we trust. You should be positive on him. This was the player that actually, whether he intended to or not, Lutz more or less drew a, a straight line from Nico Joachini replacement to Nukby Thorson. He pointed directly to Thor's signing last summer as a reason why he might not be overly ambitious to sign a replacement for Nico right away and be able to go back to that thing he's seen in the window a long time ago that he's waiting for the price to be right on. Nuki Thorson was brought in last summer as a player with an eye towards this year. Lute said it at least twice last year, once when he was signed in the summer and then once at the end of the season. He likened him to Mark Hanick. And we know Anthony Marcanic played a little bit more regularly than Nukby Thorson, but I point to the circumstances. What did we have going on at left back last year, at the end of last year? We had Kyle Hebert, a converted center back, who had his own fair share of difficulties here and there, and we had Anthony Marcanic. So we gave the opportunity to Marcanic, and he ran with it. Those were our only options. What did we have for options at forward, second striker, the position that Nukby Thorson is actually being talked about to star in a little more heavily this year? We had a returning Klaus from injury. He played all down the stretch. We had a returned and hot Sam Adeneron. He was hot down the stretch, and we let him play his fair share of minutes. And, oh, yeah, we had Nico Joachini, the guy who played 2,000 minutes last year. Those three players up front were not going anywhere. It was a log jam. Nukvi Thorson appeared in nine games. He started one, and that one was the only time he played more than 45 minutes. Production, what we saw from him, capabilities, none of that had anything to do with what we saw from Nukby Thorson last year. If you want somebody to replace Nico Joachini's 2,000 minutes, Thorson can do that. 
what we what we need to see and what we don't have any reason to believe isn't there. It's just one of those unproven, just like Sam Adeneron was unproven when he came back from loan last year at an MLS level, is goal scoring. And how can he contribute? How can he create chances? What does he look like next to Klaus over a prolonged period of time? The Klaus-Sam Adeneron partnership ended up working out phenomenally at the end of last year. When City was hot in those games, and yes, City had a lot of ups and downs on the back half of 2023, but their ups definitely coincided with Sam Adeneron and Klaus performing well together. That's something we can carry into this year. And now Nick, or Nukvi Thorson will have that opportunity to step in to be a Nico Joaquini replacement as I think Sam is looking to ascend more towards at least nearing that 2,000-minute mark that Nico was able to provide. So you're seeing guys step up based on their last year performances and what we actually expect to see proof in of what Nukvi Thorson was brought in to do for this year. That's the biggest thing that I think is my takeaway for Nukvi. Someone I saw on, on Twitter said that um, just having Klaus uh, healthy all season would kill a bunch of those minutes too, honestly. Yeah. Um, so that's something to remember. I thought that was a really good point. Stuart, what do you think about this Nukvi Thorson conversation, second striker, about the whole situation there? I mean, we we he had just last summer to adjust to coming to the U.S. Uh, Klaus and a lot of other guys, uh, Leuven, uh, Berkey, they came over, Nielsen, and they had a lot of time to adjust. It Coming to a new country, especially from Iceland to Germany to Belgium to the U.S., it's a hugely different culture. So those are things that he was sorting through on the fly and also dealing with you know new teammates, new expectations. This is a reset year. So we're going to judge him on how he's doing this year, not on last year, because that was really Mark Hanek was the player of that window who made an impact. Now, going forward, uh, Nukfi is the one who could be the player of impact from that window. And that's how we got to look at it. He has the talent. He has the ability to be a big deal. And that's what we have to look at it. Um, I don't think he lived up to expectations currently but uh, of course with nico leaving he has the chance to now and um if lutz has confidence in him i think we should too great uh these comments kind of echo what you said there billy j saying um that you know kind of asking whether uh thor just needs to acclimate like city two for our, our first teamers you know our first teamers came into city two uh, well before the first season of MLS. And I think we've kind of forgotten how helpful that might have been, actually. Uh, SDL City Italian says, I'm not worried about goal production. Sam had eight goals in 950 minutes compared to Nico, who had 10 in 2100 minutes. I love that stat. I'm glad you brought that in at that time. STL City Italian, that's a good point. Santiago, any thoughts on this? Yeah, just to uh, echo on, on the Nico comment that he had 10 goals in uh, 2100 minutes. He la he's a great player and uh, he did great things uh, mm -hmm. uh, last year. But uh, if you go back and look at, uh, at his goals and the stats, uh, the last time he scored a goal for uh, City was on August 20th against uh, Austin. And that kind of coincided with uh, Klaus coming back so, and he also got injured. Um, but he his production the second half of the season or after League's Cup wasn't the same 
as um, it was uh, the first part of the season. Um, and yeah, getting a healthy Klaus is going to be huge. And um, yeah, the the big question is uh, what Nubi Torrison can do. I, I agree, like uh, him coming last year uh, could be um, could be uh, compared to uh, when the other seven guys came in 22 and played for um, CD2. Um, he basically used that uh, period in 2023 to... Uh, get acclimated he had he played some minutes he even scored a goal but it had always been said that uh, he was a player for 2024 and, and going forward and now that opportunity is here and uh, hopefully he he will run with it and and uh, prove everybody a lot of people like uh, are not really excited about him just because they look at his minutes and his production last year but uh, we know that that that's not uh, the way to to look at it and uh, people shouldn't just make uh, conclusions and assumptions from uh, what he did last year. This is this is basically like a reset, like uh, Stu said, and hopefully it'll be good for him. Yeah, and I just think he needs to get up to the level because if you look what he did with his former clubs in, in Belgium and Iceland, um, he really he plays similar to a second striker, even if he's playing in the left wing position. He is a great presser. He came in in really good shape. I remember them saying that last year, and he did. He's, he's a good presser. He does a good job in the press, and that's kind of worry number one, right, when you bring in a player from Europe. Are they going to be able to keep up with the pace and do a good job pressing? So that's the first thing that needs to happen with City. But where City has been weak, in my opinion, is that whole breaking down a low block. And for that... Like, we have a lot of players who are really good in transition, speedy. You got the center backs on their heels. But what Thorson's really good at is kind of being that sneaky guy that is always in a really good position to score at any given moment. And kind of someone that you'll see center backs and fullbacks as he's passing from an outside position toward the middle of the box, even in toward the back of the box, they'll lose track of him. And someone will be smart enough to find him in space and he'll score a goal. He's a good finisher. He's a better finisher than most wingers, I would say. You know, I'm not saying he's like a plus plus finisher, but I will say he's better than average for a winger. And so I think he's going to be central to especially those games. And this is just me looking at footage. I could be dead wrong. He might just end up being the best transition player we could have. But I think from what I've seen, in my amateur eye, that he's going to be really vital for those games against teams that sit in a low block because I think he's just that sneaky guy who, uh, I, I won't repeat what I said, but I, I think he's going to be big for that. Um, I, Sam will be too. Not that the other strikers won't be, but I, I would look to him being a starter or a sub against teams like Minnesota or you know teams that are going to just like park the bus on us. I think his off the ball movements are going to be important in that aspect. Mm. Uh, if you think of if you think of intelligent and really skilled dribblers who can draw two players to you, you think of Celio Pompeu as Exhibit A. If you think of Nuke V. Thorson and what he can he can he's talented with the ball, but I I like what you're saying and a lot of the highlights that he has shown and what we saw in, in limited minutes last year. He's got a good off the ball ability to move from the wing to the channel, and if you can spread out players in a low block create a little bit of space and then have players skilled enough to find that gap and then be fed the ball. That's how you can get nice shots with high percentage chances off. And Nuki Thorson offers a lot of that. 
Hey, uh, Phil, and the game uh, where we saw uh, some glimpses um, of what he could he can do, and he actually scored a goal was mm-hmm. against FC Dallas, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, they play in a low block. That game they play with ten men uh, yeah. for a long time, and uh, it was very difficult to to break down. And he did a good job at that game. Yeah, that and I the... think his, his goal against Kansas City too was uh, it, not that they were sitting back, but it was a similar situation. It wasn't like a counterattack. Kansas City was the only game he actually played the full 90, and I liked the. I think the FC Dallas game was when Thor and Markanic actually scored yep. together for yeah. the call. Wasn't it their first or second game with the team in general? Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, yeah. You got to love that. Uh, S, uh, sorry, SL Soccer News. Celio as well is really good at breaking down a low block, yes. as we saw in the playoffs, for different reasons, in a totally different way, right? Dribbly guys are just really good at pe- pulling people out of position. I look forward to seeing Celio, especially in um, teams with a, a low block. Um, extra time. People keep mentioning extra time. Should we talk about this? Because I don't remember well. exactly what they said. I read... Um, I read what's his name's article on us that was like somewhat on and somewhat I feel like off. I don't feel like he's ever super up on St. Louis. Uh, anyway, Matt Doyle, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, but what they say on extra time um, and fill me in everybody. Playoff predictions, um, extra time, like STL city Italian in the chat, extra time as this bottom of the playoff picture. So he asks, and I think this is a good question. What seven other playoff, what seven other teams will be ahead of us. That's a good way to, kind of move the conversation because I get the sense that the knock on St. Louis is twofold uh, from a national perspective. Number one, they expect regression and that's expected from their expectations. I just like we expected them to fit, pick us finishing last because they didn't know anything about us. I expect them to predict that we're going to have a massive regression a la Austin FC. So no, no surprise there. But the other one is it's almost like fool me once shame on me fool me tries shame on you type of a thing and last year it was they didn't take into consideration what we had done to bring in our internationals in 2022 the type of system we had been building the success of the academy to city two to the top team nobody was giving any credit for anything beyond surface level this is an expansion team without any known player this year the knock is we didn't bring in anybody to enhance what we had and in fact we just lost our tied for leading goal score. So surface level, you look at just those few things and you say, well, yeah, this team's not just going to regress, but they're going to be passed over by teams like FC Dallas, who had a major signing this week by potentially LA Galaxy, who also just had a major signing by Seattle Sounders, who just signed a young DP, their first in their franchise history, by the Colorado Rapids, by Real Salt Lake, all these teams who are making significant signings or seeing their young players start to develop into more significant cogs in their wheels. So if we're looking at who, and I don't know who they picked it to finish above St. Louis, but if I were to pick seven teams that I would be most concerned about the, not considering the fact that I, I don't think St. Louis is going to finish eighth or at the bottom of the playoff picture, take that out of the equation for now. But if I were to pick seven teams that I were worried about, I would look to Colorado making a huge leap from last year. I'd look oh, to wow. FC Dallas I would potentially look to the LA Galaxy, but I would also look to the Portland Timbers, who made some in- increases not just in their staff. Uh, well, you could call Phil Neville an increase, depending on how you want to, but <laughs> they've made some changes. Uh, I would also look to Real Salt Lake and Seattle Sounders. I don't know if that was seven. That's about seven. But those teams in particular, I think, could give us trouble. And 
but at, but at, at the same time, everything that Extra Time's predicting, I think, is surface level. So you have to take what they say with a grain of salt because they're not digging into the weeds. They're yeah. seeing they're seeing what transfer is Tom Bogert willing to report on because it it makes a splash, right? What multi million dollar deals are happening of MLS yeah. teams bringing players in? That's and no we, joke. It's not. No, I'm dead serious on that. It's if Tom Bogert's going to report on something, Extra Time's going to give it the time of day to where they're going to update their analysis based on that. And if you look to how many signings St. Louis, and this isn't a knock on Boger, it's not a knock on extra time. That's just, no. they have to cover an entire league, guys. Yeah. This, this isn't something that they can go in the weeds of every team on. So I give them a little bit of grace in that regard, even though I'm still willing to use their standings as poster board material. But I give them grace on the overall who they're willing to cover because they also need clicks. They need likes. They need subscriptions to their, wow. their YouTube. They need all that. And if they're going to, on a national level, they want to attract viewers for the sexy names. Well, we'd also be pissed off if they didn't cover St. Louis. I mean, they got a comment, often, right? I get annoyed. Are, that, well, I, yeah, I mean, they don't do it enough even at, even so. But, like, um, you know, I, I just want to say that, like, I think it's pretty clear that they do. They follow the stats. They follow the big signings. And since, like, we haven't gotten those, we're just not going to stick out. But, you know, also that Doyle – article i want to say his last article on st louis was dead on when he was talking about why st louis might not be good enough in the playoffs he did a great job not just saying that underlying stats are against us he described those underlying stats he backed up his examples he did a great job but on this one he said you know his biggest um comment on st louis was the fact that we lost stroud and bartlett and if i can say the worst thing i can say here he had a couple other good things to say but I think the worst thing to say here is that if that's your argument against St. Louis City, then I think you're just looking at the stats and you're not watching yeah. the games. And Extra Time fans will understand exactly what I'm saying there because got to love those guys. I think they did a great job. But if you think that St. Louis City is not going to be good because of those two players leaving, then you're just not paying a very close attention. Yeah, I haven't listened to um, Extra Time, but uh, I was just reading... Uh the article from Matt Doyle on MLSsoccer.com uh, yeah. for the Western Conference uh, depth charts. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know, um, but, and he had said the same thing uh, in another article uh, a few days ago. Basically, he, he keeps saying that City needs to find a replacement for Stroud. <laughs> and um, also uh, mentions that I, the move um, of Stroud and Barlett uh, to bring uh, Dorkin that the trade um, was kind of a head-scratching move uh, and, and doesn't give much credit to um, Chris Dorkin. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's true, like, uh, yeah. That's more material. That's ma- more bulletin board material, I think. Um, and, yeah, I don't know why uh, he focuses so much on um, Stroud. Like, yeah, Stroud had good production and and we all know that 50 percent of st louis loves Stroud. the other 50 percent doesn't much and uh, we even have that on this spot uh so i don't think uh, i don't think he a replacement needs to be found for him like we we have a lot of wingers and players that could fill that position um but yeah and and yeah in in terms of the regression like yeah he has been calling that out uh for a long time even since last year um and yeah there could be some regression the team 
may not be at the top of the table, but um, I think it will be it will still be competitive and make playoffs and hopefully uh, advance in the playoffs. Who what which should be the goal for for this year? Win at least one playoff series yeah. um, is uh, what I would love to see. And I think I don't know if Matt, you were saying this, but I, like I, if St. Louis is in the bottom of the playoffs, I don't care. They have so many competitions this year. I'd actually be fine with it, and I don't think it's unlikely per se. Um, and I want to talk about Ostrog next, but Matt, it sounds, looks like you want to comment on that. Yeah, just on that front, and and this is I, I keep um, carrying the banner for this mindset is there's there's gonna be some downs, and I would rather they happen earlier in the season. If if fixture congestion is yeah. a deal for us, where we either progress longer in Concacaf Champions Cup or we progress longer in the U.S. Open Cup, I would rather our MLS regular season form dip early, and we as much as I hate to use this as the analogy, strike while the iron's hot like Gordon Casey did last year. Yeah. Hey. A, a historically poor start. Yeah. And they caught fire when they needed to. They made the playoffs and they, they won some playoff games. You know, it was at our expense and that sucks. And we're never going to live that down. But that gives us something to learn from. They said it at the end of last year and they said it at the beginning of this year that they know the rigors of an MLS season now and they know what they need to do to get hot late. So if we're sitting here in June and we are in that eight, nine, 10 spot, I'm not going to be too worried. I'm going to be looking forward to what are they going to be doing this summer to make sure that they catch fire when they need to. And it's, it's a long haul of a season and it's, we're, we're going to lose sight of that eventually at this point, it's a long season and we're going to lose sight of that. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to look down on anybody that does because we're going to do it too on this show. We're going to get into June or July and we're going to say what is wrong with this team if they're in that outside looking in position. And we're going to lose sight of what could happen because it hasn't happened yet and we're we're in the show me state and we want to see that happen. But this is my preseason. We're we're not yet into our full preseason preview of the entire season, but this thought has to be in the back of our mind somewhere. It's you can be upset at whatever form we're going through at any given time, but if you can see the light at the end of the tunnel of there's promise, there's health on the other end of League's Cup, and we need we know what we need to do, that's make or break time, then that's something to hold on to if we go through some struggles in May or June. Yeah, I think this podcast could be, uh, we're very honest about being guilty of overanalyzing everything. I love the comment that we got from Carnell on, on Matt and, you know, your comments. And I'm as guilty as you are, if not more so, on uh, overanalyzing uh, lineups and stuff like that. It made me so happy to see uh, Carnell kind of tease you about that this week. Um, <laughs> but what we're not guilty of is I think we're really good at... Um, looking at the long haul and being positive about, you know, not going crazy about the negatives. And I think Matt, your, your tweets about Thorson this week are a perfect example that the world was freaking out about something silly. And Matt came in with common sense reactions. And I think you can come here for that kind of stuff. If you're feeling emotional about a St. Louis city problem, if you're scared that something might be going bad, um, we're here to probably, give you some kind of silver lining um, and even back it up with facts and that kind of thing. So um, that's where you can come uh, for that kind of uh, information for sure. I think we might lead the city in that kind of stuff um, for all of our faults. But um, let's talk about Ostrak for just for a split second. I, I'm wearing this cologne jersey, um, which is where he came from. So yeah. I just have to jump on this. We got a, a, a comment from 
Adam, uh, Ten House, Ten House, and um, you know how a couple questions about whether we think Ostrak fitting this year, if he'll be good, whether we've been hearing much about him in preseason. No, the answer is no. We've not been hearing much in preseason. There's a clip of him making some amazing moves, uh, but if we keep overanalyzing and overfocusing on breaking down a low block, we still got to remember that St. Louis's bread and butter is high pressing working in transition, and that's where Ostrak is going to shine. It, it, all of his special moments with Cologne in Bundesliga and in DFB Pokal was like in transition. This man is a menace uh, on the transition. He's so good on a counterattack, and he also, as we saw last year, found himself in some really good spaces, um, using that extra energy as a sub, especially to find the goal sometimes in set pieces, that kind of stuff. So um, we know he's a quality player. He's someone that I've, I think, been the highest on in this podcast. And I'm a little scared about it because, no, we haven't heard much about Ostrock in this in this preseason. Um, I think he's going to come good. I think he's a perfect player for St. Louis. And I think his ceiling is very high, but I might be wrong. It's too soon to say, but I at least wanted to mention him. Lutz made a very brief comment um, yesterday, and sorry, I don't remember exactly his words, but uh, he said something like he he was in good form, uh, something like that. I, I don't have the exact quote, but it was very brief too, but um, that caught my attention that he mentioned Ostrak. Yeah, good. Um, we'll just see what comes of it. I'm glad we brought it up. Uh, just someone to remember that Yes, we did lose Stroud, but I think Ostrock is, is pretty good as well and a similar player in some regards. Um, Matt, I've been talking a lot. Um, where should we go next? There's plenty to cover here. A lot of people requesting things like the away kit. What will it look like? The Miami situation someone requested. There's a UPSL Miami. final versus the Columbus Crew Academy coming up. And then there's a bunch of other topics that we haven't touched on. Yeah, the, the away kid, I think the only thing I can really offer to that is it has to be something that uh, juxtaposes against the City Red that we're keeping this year. So if you think of uh, MLS doesn't usually like to do two dark kits for a club, but sometimes they'll do two very, very contrasting kits. So as long as you can wear a kit um, that goes against another team's home kit, that that's usually okay. Um, or if you need to wear your city red and you go against them. So if St. Louis comes out with a river blue, they were able to sell an MLS essentially on the fact that all of the blue teams in the league, city red would go well against as an easy contrast. Mm -hmm. So river blue is actually fairly different than city red as, as, as far as like, if we were playing the San Jose earthquakes, if we were playing NYCFC, these, these blue type teams, Charlotte, um, Chicago Fire is going back to red, but Sporting KC, even with their dark blue, like if you're playing teams like that, I think City Red would make an interesting enough contrast that River Blue is not out of the realm of possibility. But regardless of what it looks like, I would love if we had some kind of river motif. Hmm. I think the confluence, if not now, then soon needs to be incorporated into a kit. They went with the arch and the arch paneling for the City Red kit. They went with city park as an homage for the away kit so drawing mm -hmm. from some of these other i'm, I'm waiting for the story from mm -hmm. peter wood and from all of the creatives at the club in where their inspiration is coming from because there's so many iconic uh iconography places and things in st louis in and around st louis that they can draw from so they have inspiration for years and years to come whatever they pick how are they going to craft it meaningfully into a beautiful second kit 
that they should have, I think they have had more time to develop too. Because the other thing about the the away kit that we currently have for, from 23 is it wasn't given, I think, enough time and focus to be rolled out. It was the old Adidas template. Mm. It was only going to be worn for a year. So they obviously prioritized the City Red kit in what they were having Adidas focus on. So maybe this one has a little more pizzazz to it as well. Is the away kit... Uh... Only one year, or, or is it also a two-year, like for this second one? It should usually. be two-year. Yeah, okay. we, we should now be on a two-year cycle for both. I think that that was another reason they wanted a one-year away kit is so that they could offer a new kit every single year versus mm -hmm. two new kits, nothing, two new kits. So now that because Adidas is on a basically an 18-month, two-year cycle for developing kits, now they can get on board with every single other year we'll get a new kit. Or every single year we'll get a new kit. They know me well. Uh, as a side, as an aside, the goalkeeper kits look sexy this year. The oh. black one that, is That so should nice. be that way kit. I, I'm it's kidding. good. With the red stripe. <laughs> I And I think I would love to see a yellow away kit or a home kit at some point. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Love the Confluence shout. That is, oh boy. I would and love to see something like that. We should be on the docket here in at maybe as early as 2025 for a third kit because it's based on sales nice. in right. St. Louis. Long hit that 100,000 mark. So we're getting a new away kit now. And Billy J in chat mentioned nice. the away kit was released February 17th last season. So we should be around two weeks from when mm -hmm. we're recording this. 2025 is when we can start looking forward to a potential third kit and a checker kit. Someone did the shout with the blue with the checkers in the chat. Uh, that was yes. that would be nice as well, if possible. What what's next, Matt? Uh, do you want to talk about Inter Miami? They lost six nothing on the day we're recording this. They have had a terrible preseason on their tour as far as results go. Um, it seems like everybody's trying to take their pot shots at Miami in. Uh, the results, the injured players we touched on earlier, uh, even, I mean, it's basically a dream for anybody who wants to find a reason to hate on MLS, which is why I'm getting very annoyed with the narrative that's <laughs> occurring. I, I didn't like the fact that, I mean, I, I like the fact that Miami was doing this initially. They're not my team. I don't care if they wear themselves out in preseason, but the all-star team that they've built had the potential to go on this highlight tour and say, this is essentially an mls ambassador team this these this team is representing mls on this global stage al halal which is like the second best team in saudi arabia um the al nasser cristiano ronaldo's team you know these are top tier teams ronaldo didn't play in this match but al nasser beat them six nothing and so this these are drubbings that they're taking they're injured they're losing players it's it's not doing what it was meant to do and that's the unfortunate thing and i I don't, or, I, like is I said, or is it? I think it's supposed to, to me, I've always thought this was supposed to be market MLS. I, I don't oh, care about. Oh, okay. Right. I mean, Miami's earning bank, no doubt. And MLS is probably earning bank too. But maybe this is the altruistic part in me. But when I think of things like Leagues Cup, when I think of things like Miami going on this world tour, yes, there's obvious dollar aspects to it. And that's probably the ultimate root of everything is making the most money. But there are legitimate opportunities here to increase the brand, the awareness, and the notoriety of MLS, of soccer in the United States. And this is not doing that. That's well said. I agree with you. I've, I've changed my mind. Santiago, a lot of people are going off on the travel. The, was it thousands or millions of miles that they're going to cover in preseason? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, long... Uh 
long trip for them and and yeah i like the idea at the beginning too like uh oh let's see what miami can do against these uh saudi arabia teams uh especially because ronaldo recently uh said that uh the level there could be uh compared to a level um for uh league one in france uh, I, and i was hoping i don't i don't care about inter miami but i was hoping oh, hopefully they will have competing games and, and beat this uh top saudi arabia teams obviously it didn't happen and it's too bad that they, now they are starting to lose players and you could think of it like yeah but it's not like they're not missing one of the well-known players but uh they have lost two young players uh facundo farias who uh last year yeah. came mid-season and, and had impact they score goals and uh uh benjamin um Kremashi, a young player that uh I really like so uh, those are guys that do things that maybe uh, people don't see but um, it's it's too bad that they're starting to get injured players and um, who knows who knows yeah it's preseason but I don't know um, I don't know if red flags uh, should be going up or not but um, we'll see uh, if Miami can keep uh, can show the form they show in in League Cup and some of the games after that but um it's it's a long season and losing some of the these players um will have an impact for them they're also sacrificing themselves and it's more than just playing these matches i think it was sergio busquets played 90 minutes today the mm -hmm. amount of minutes that they're messy played into 70 80th minute the amount of minutes that they're giving these guys in in this preseason um all-star type tour is insane given the fact that they have just as many competitions upcoming that city does the they're they're writing these north of 30 year olds who yes they have been otherworldly and they are still top elite tier in mls they're going to break down at the end of the season when we talk about st louis needing to get hot at the end of the season everything miami is doing is ensuring that they won't get hot at yeah. the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll have to watch that. Um, last thing I'm going to make sure we talk about just quickly is that St. Louis City's UPSL team is going to be playing Columbus Crew Academy in the final for the UPSL Premier League. Premier One, I forgot what it's called, but it's in Irvine, California. It's Friday, yeah. February 2nd? Wait. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Seven thirty. It's tomorrow night. Seven thirty. It's, it's the semifinal. It, the, yeah. They call it the National League Finals or oh, whatever. But thank it's you. Sorry. A group of four. So this yeah. is the semifinal, and the final I think is on Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Great. And both are in California, correct? Yeah. yeah and we actually we talked to Bradley on Thursday about if his team's planning on going and seeing them, <laughs> and it seemed like that could be a possibility if timing works out. Uh, you know, the flight for the club is tomorrow, so it depends on if they move on to the final, if they're able to go. Um, it could be, I mean, it would be fun to see the big club go support the U21s. I will love, I will love that. I will love that. Uh, yeah. but yeah, looking forward to, to that game. Uh, it will be, uh, it will be on YouTube on the UPSL, um, mm -hmm. uh, channel. Um, so yeah, just looking forward to, um, seeing the, the guys last night, um, the guys tomorrow night and, um, like, uh, Luis Switcher has done a great team, great things with this team. Yeah. Um, so I'm um, looking forward to seeing seeing if they can beat a uh, Columbus Crew. I was thinking like uh, if you think about uh, MLS Next Pro, 
Um, we haven't played right. them in MLS, but played them in Leagues Cup. We haven't, St. Louis hasn't been able to uh, beat mm -hmm. Columbus mm -hmm. yet. So maybe, maybe tomorrow night will be that first win against a Columbus crew team. I don't think people are appreciating just how much of a rivalry this has become from an organizational level, like top to bottom St. Louis yeah. and Columbus. And it's a, it's a testament to both teams ability to put out high level teams at all levels. Development is insane for both clubs, but it's, it's just crazy how often we're playing them. And I do want to give a quick shout out to this UPSL team in general, because if you haven't been following them all season, they've been scoring goals like crazy. Just last November, they had a 10-0 win over Jackson, Tennessee, boom, in their region. They've won their last few games, 1-0, 3-1, 7-1, 3-1, 4-1, and 5-0. They have leading goal scorers, Eden Clark with nine goals in the season, Anthony Falpel with nine, Jackson Delkus eight, Kai Pope, who scored that worldly of a goal to chip the keeper to move on with seven goals. And these are guys who we've known their names ever since they, this organization started. Jackson Delkus, I remember, was a U16 right, yeah. when the organization started. I mean, he's like OG, youngest academy player possible when this group started. And if, if you're looking for players that could eventually find their way to homegrown contracts, Anthony Falpel, Eden Clark, Jackson Delkus, and Kai Pope have to be among them if they don't choose their college careers and what might lie after that. But just incredible work that this group is doing. And they're they're truly like rising through the St. Louis City Academy organization to get to this level. It's the bridge between the U-17s and City 2. So exciting to watch here Friday night. And if you didn't see the Kai Pope banger last week, I mean, just oh, like, that was awesome. as good as it gets, set up by uh, Jackson Delkis as well with the high yep. press. I mean, it was a St. Louis goal and a half. Um, just the kids showing their quality with a bit of a banger, a bit of a chipping the keeper while he was out of the box. And uh, But it was that hard work from Del Delkis that really set it up, um, allowing Kai Pope to really show his talent. So uh, good work from them all through the game. And, and I know it was 1-0. I hope you know, if you didn't watch that game, like St. Louis dominated that yeah. game. Like it should not have been 1-0. Um, so um, good work from those guys. We look forward to more. Love Matt. Good good comments on on that rivalry from top to bottom, starting from the U16s and, and watching these kids. It's been a blast. So, thanks for joining us, guys. We have never missed so many notes in one episode. I mean, we are throwing a chunk of information in the trash can right now, and I apologize for that. Um, maybe I could have managed minutes better, but a lot's been coming out lately. So. It is what it is. Thanks for joining us. Maybe we'll push some of that to next week. Please do join us again. I'm sure there's going to be plenty to talk about. Um, and we're going to keep it coming to you guys weekly on Twitter, on here, in the podcast, and on the radio. Thanks for joining us again. Bye, everybody. Adios.